I paused the series that I was in and preached a special edition sermon that wasn't videoed, it wasn't recorded, and if you missed it, I mean, it was the best sermon I've ever preached in my whole life. <laughs> well, that's what my wife said. So, uh, oh, it's great to be back. One thing I certainly, uh, while I was singing that new song, or that song I've heard before, but uh, God, you're so, so good. And I thought this week as I'm singing, I think about what I'm singing, novel idea, but it's cool. And you think about, yeah, how have I seen God being good this week? And uh, I got to have the ringside seat of watching our staff care for people. In particular, Greg Barker, our youth pastor, who not only did, <laughs> two weddings and funeral, not only did he do his grandfather's funeral, now imagine the weight of that. You got him and Holly, his sister, taking part in leading their grandfather's funeral, who was a follower of Jesus, and they love deeply. So Greg goes from that on uh, thir Thursday to then preaching at his friend, one of his best friends, he does the wedding. And I'm sitting there, the senior pastor, watching it all happen. And at the funeral, nobody said anything. All of our staff showed up. Everyone. In fact, I had somebody say to me, did you, know, did you tell your staff that they had to show up? I said, no, that's just the quality of our staff. That they came to support Greg. Uh, most of us didn't know Greg's dad, or grandfather rather, um, but that's just, they showed up to support, right? and I'm like, well, that is so cool, we, I have it so good here, and then to top it all off, uh, you know you heard the announcement about Dustin, well Dustin and Raquel are here this morning, where are you guys, where are you at, there they are, right? the, yeah, let's welcome them, Dustin, we're going to welcome them formally, but... Make sure if you want to say hi to them, they're here uh, on personal, and then they, they personal reasons in Toronto, but they came to have time with us. And uh, Dustin, Raquel, we're, I'm really looking forward to having you, Raquel. Like Dustin, yeah, it's great that he's gonna be here, but I know you're the talented one in the family, so it's great to have you both. So uh, I, I just thought, I was sitting there singing, going, God, you're just so good. You're just so good. So uh, I praise him uh, for his goodness. To have be surrounded by people that are so exceptional, it's a privilege. So uh, today, uh, so I'm in back in this series. Now, I have to tell you, usually I create my own series, I go to the Word, but I was so impacted by the series that Andy Stanley did called Four Enemies of the Hearts, about four different emotions, I thought, man... I, I got to get Andy to come and speak, like as if I know him. I got to get Andy here to come and speak. Well, yeah, that ain't going to happen. But then I thought, well, I can, like, it's not like he's teaching his own material. He's teaching the Bible. And so I kind of am using his series because it's so biblical and so helpful for us to be delivered from emotions that absolutely dummy us at times and be delivered from them. And so last, or two weeks ago, I started with guilt. Remember? Guilt. I owe you, and, and I was talking about how we struggle with guilt, and that sermon got some of the most responses that I've ever had in the sermon, but about one thing, I get that. So I preached 35 minutes on guilt, and what most of you come back, everybody that said something said, well, what did you do with the hockey net? Okay, okay, if you weren't here, I told a story about when I was nine years old, I stole a hockey net, felt so guilty, and I'm preaching my heart out for 35 minutes, and you're like, what'd you do with the hockey net? 
Okay, so to relieve you on this, I felt so guilty about the hockey net. I, I, I couldn't play hockey with it anymore. So I, I know what you think. It's still in my backyard. My kids are using it, right? And I'm still... No, I felt so guilty. I, I took it, snuck back into the backyard I took it from, dropped that puppy right in the backyard, and then ran like a dog on a rabbit. Like I was out of that backyard. I felt so guilty. So now you can rest. Your pastor is not using a stolen hockey net for his grandkids. Okay, so you're okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's move on to the next uh, motion that imprisons us. These are emotions we all have. How would you feel if a recruit recruiter told you or your child, oh, hey, with these marks, you've got no problem getting into this program? And they set their hearts on it, and then they were told, yeah, no, you're not getting in. Or boss says, oh, you're absolutely the one for that job, but then doesn't give it to you. Your spouse says, you know, I no longer love you or want you. Your business partner leaves and takes capital and customers you need to survive. Your friend group votes you out. So, you know, all the things they do together, like the vacation plans, the parties, the get-together, you're not getting the invites anymore. Your parents make you a promise, but they don't deliver. They promise that trip or that toy or that thing that you asked them for. Your paycheck isn't nearly as much as somebody else who does the same job as you or a girlfriend or boyfriend drops you and dates a friend of yours. How are you gonna feel? Well, you're probably gonna feel a number of different emotions, but the one that will go through all of those is anger. Because that person did something they shouldn't have done, or they didn't do something they should have, or they took from you something you deserved or something you wanted, and you feel angry toward them. And anger in its essence is this, you owe me. You owe me. Because of what you've done, you owe me. My anger burns inside. Now think about the things that people sometimes take from us. You took my job, you took my friends, you took my children, you took my marriage, you took my innocence, you took my purity. Like how in the world do you ever get payback for those? I mean, if I took your $1,000, it's easy. I'd pay you back $1,000, maybe a little more for inconveniences. But how do I pay back those things? How does a son pay back to his parents the 10 years of hell he put them through? How does a spouse pay back the insecurity and the dignity lost because they cheated? How does a boss pay back the backstabbing that sent you on your way and out of your career because of lies that were told? How does a relative pay you back for the innocence they stole? I mean, just 
Some things just, it's bad enough that people don't want to pay us back for when they hurt us. I didn't hurt you. I don't agree with that. I don't care. Sometimes they don't want to pay us back when they hurt us. But sometimes, even if they want to, they can't pay us back. And so how do we respond? Generally, the response at its core is anger. You took from me, you owe me, and I'm angry at you. Now, we're good Christian people, and so we deal with it in two, one of two ways, neither of which are biblical. We deal with them by bearing it. I want to move on. I'm tired of feeling angry at this person. I'm tired of feeling hurt by this person. And so I'm going to move on. I'm just going to forget it. And so we try to bury it. Or we do the opposite. We fall into the other ditch. And we, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to explain why we're so angry and justify. Well, if your spouse left you and me with the kids to raise and, and on your own, you'd have a reason to be angry too. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, anger, that sense that you owe me. And when somebody owes us something, we want paid back. But here's the problem. Sometimes they won't pay us back. Sometimes they can't pay us back. But we're still angry. And that anger seeps into our lives into our relationships with our spouses, our families, our children, our parents, our friends, our church, our work. It just seeps. And the longer that anger goes undealt with, the deeper it seeps. And of course, it's never just one issue, it's generally several, and they keep building and seeping and changing us. Well, Jesus has a remedy for that, a way to deliver us from it. And uh, I know what you're going to say. I, I, I can almost hear this, because this is what I would say. If I were sitting listening to me tell you this, and I said, oh, Jesus says you need to forgive. I, I, this is right, right, right. Been there, tried that, didn't work. You know, for some of us, forgiveness it's just too hard. We don't have the courage to get ourselves to the place where we would release that person and forgive them for what they did. It's just, hey, it's just too hard. I, I can't do it. I've tried. I, I, I just can't. Or, or some of us is like, are you kidding me? Let that person off for what they did to me? No way. Man, no way. That's just too unfair. There's no way I'm letting them off. Or for others, it's like, you know, I tried it, but it, I, just keep, I, I just keep falling back into it. I'm still angry at them. I, I never really can seem to release it. It's just the idea of forgiving somebody is just too simple. It, life is more complex than that. You just don't forgive people that really hurt you and change your life and send you through years of pain. It's not that simple. I think Peter kind of had that mindset. He was a been there, done that, got the t-shirt kind of guy. And so he talks, he raises the question to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 18, he said, uh, 
verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? What's he asking? What's he asking? Do I really have to forgive everyone? I mean, I mean, how far do you take this forgiveness thing? So Jesus tells a story. Now, the story is meant to answer that question. How much do I have to forgive? So Jesus is going to answer that question with this story. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Not likely the answer that Peter was looking for, nor that I'm looking for. So Jesus is saying, you know that been there, tried that, didn't work? Yeah, go back. This is the answer. This is the answer. Therefore, so in light of our discussion here, Peter, about forgiveness, let me tell you a story. The kingdom of heaven is like, now the kingdom of heaven is the realm in which all those who live in surrender and obedience to the will of God exist. It is not a physical realm yet. It is a realm on this world, a spiritual realm, in which consists of all those who want to follow Jesus, seek to follow Jesus, even though we fall down and fail, but uh, I'm going to obey Jesus. It will become physicalized when Jesus returns. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Okay, what do you think of when you think of 10,000 bags of gold? A lot, yeah, yeah, a lot. Kind of like Elon Musk money. Or maybe he doesn't even have that much. It's like an obscene amount of money. So a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. What is the problem? What's the problem? Debt. This man owes the king Money he can't pay. Remember, we're not talking. Jesus is not talking about the financial arrangements of kings in his day. He is telling a story about what? Forgiveness. And so forgiveness is, revolves around a debt that somebody owes you. Remember what we said? Anger? You owe me. And I'm angry because you owe me and aren't paying me back. You're not making right what you did wrong and the way you hurt me. You owe me. You owe me a lot because I think about it a lot. And it hurts a lot. It hurts 10,000 bags of gold a lot. 
How does the king deal with it? At this, his servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Really? You're going to pay back 10,000 bags of gold? Some things just can't be paid back. Some debts just can't be paid back. Like I said, how do you pay back someone who you stole the marriage from? How do you pay back parents you put through grief for a decade? How do you pay back gossip you told about somebody that spread? How do you get that back? Some things just can't be paid back. So the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. Canceled it. That's how the king dealt with the debt. Now, are we talking about the financial arrangements of how kings dealt with their money in Jesus' day? No. We're he's telling a story about forgiveness, and forgiveness is about canceling a debt that is owed to you. He's not talking about debts that aren't owed to you. Forgiveness isn't about, well, it really didn't hurt you, so you shouldn't really be upset. It's a debt. It's a pain. It's a hurt. It's, it's something that was taken from you, something done to you that deeply wounded you. And Jesus says that forgiveness is canceling. The king who had the, was owed such a huge debt canceled the debt. You don't have to pay it. I'm not looking for it from you anymore. See, there's where we struggle with forgiveness. We want to hang on to the hurt. We're not willing to cancel the pain and the hurt that they've done to us, the payback for the pain and the hurt. You owe me. You owe me. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So a meager amount compared to 10,000 bags of gold, right? And he grabbed him. Now look how angry this guy is. He grabbed him. He choked him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back, a debt he could pay back. And, but he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. And when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And you gotta ask the question here, why in the world would this servant who was forgiven so much would be so demanding and unforgiving to somebody who owed him nothing compared to what he had owed the king. How, how, how did that happen? Again, this is not about a king and his finances. This is about forgiveness. And the question is, 
Ed, how can you be forgiven so much by Jesus and then turn around and refuse to forgive somebody who injured you? Injured you? They really do owe you something because they took something from you and they haven't paid it back. But in light of what Jesus has done, how can you be so demanding that they pay you back when the king said it's canceled? Good question. Uh, this was a great quote in this book I was talking about, Andy Stanley's book. Can I see that quote? Listen, just listen to this. When I, when you struggle to forgive another, it's because we are looking at forgiveness in the light of our hurt and what is owed us. And instead of in the light of our offense, and what was done for us. Hmm. You think too much about that, you're going to get convicted. The reason I can go from having all my sins forgiven by Jesus and gladly receiving that forgiveness and hold it against you is because my mind is focused on my hurt, not Jesus' hurt. My heart is focused on getting back what I want, not doing what my Savior wants. My eyes are focused on me and not him. That's why. That's why I can go from, you know, being forgiven so much and not willing to forgive somebody else. That's why you do the same thing. You owe me. And we forget. <laughs> I kind of owe Jesus a lot. And he canceled my debt. I'm not surprised if you know the end of this story. But, but you guys seem to struggle when I don't finish stories. So let me just finish this story for you, okay? Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Rhetorical question, the answer is obvious. In anger, by the way, anger in itself is not sin. Anger motivates, at times, righteous action, which it will right here. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. What did he owe? 10,000 bags of gold. He would never be able to pay it. This is how, now this is the kicker in this whole story. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You want to stay in prison? Don't forgive. You want to be free? Forgive. That's the point of this story. You got to do a little bit of theological dancing here. But Jesus is pretty clear. If, if you can't forgive others because I've forgiven you, then why do you think you're forgiven? 
I don't know. I guess because I think I deserve it. Oh. So you deserve the cross. Did you, Ed? Jesus knows we struggle with this. It's not that he's trying to say, don't struggle with forgiveness. He knows we struggle with it. But it doesn't stop him from calling us out to do what is right. Just because you struggle with doing something that Jesus tells you to do doesn't mean you don't have to do it. <laughs> My kids struggled with doing homework. Still had to do it. I struggle with dieting, but I still have to do it. I struggle with forgiving. But if I want to be free, then I have to forget. But if I don't, I'm not going to be free. Because the release valve, the exit door for the anger, that bitterness I have towards someone who hurt me, the, the exit door is to cancel the debt. And so Peter struggled with that. Are you, are you serious, Jesus? Like, I, I have to get, forgive people when they have, and, and Jesus is talking to Peter to say, well, do you want to live in freedom or don't you? Because the root to freedom is forgiveness. A couple of years ago, so I'm not talking, this isn't something I'm just talking to you about the Bible. Of course, Pastor Ed would never struggle with forgiveness. A couple of years ago, I won't give the details, just a, it was a dog fight. And uh, there were leaders going at one another. I was one of them. I did wrong. I did, was attacked, but I also attacked. Like, it was just a mess. And it, was, it went on for a couple of years. And, and in that dogfight and that mess of depravity and selfishness and pride, the whole bit, like, we all were guilty of it. We all stained by it. Um, but it was all done in the name of Jesus, by the way. <laughs> I guess I made it right. I don't know. Uh, joke. Uh, there was two individuals that really, really did some things that were deep betrayal and hurt for me. I'm not trying to come across like I didn't do anything. I had my hand in this too, but I mean, you can do wrong and still be hurt by somebody else, right? Like, it, just because you do wrong doesn't make you wrong in everything. And, and this went on for a while. Months. And uh, the hurt kept coming back and forth, but it kept coming. And I was, I was angry at these two men. And it got to the point I hated these two men. I didn't preach on forgiveness during that period. It would have been way too convicting. And I, I couldn't let it go. 
because I couldn't cancel the debt. I kept picking it up and nursing it. And then, then I tried to do, you know, the, the good, I tried to bury it. Well, you know, we're all broken, we're all sinners, as if that's an excuse for hurting somebody. You know, I'm supposed to forgive, I gotta lead the way. I wasn't doing it, I was failing. It's, it, our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of this world. Yeah, but it was flesh and blood that hurt. And I wasn't doing what Jesus was telling me to do. Several years later, now get the time frame, several years. So I went on in disobedience, quietly justifying my lack of forgiveness because they owed me. And every time their name came into my head or their face came into my head, I had to push the bitterness down. Of course, it just when you push it down, it just squirts out everywhere else. And so, I, I, several years later, when I finally got to the point that I was willing to admit I was a big part of this, the Holy Spirit said to me, well, here's the answer for you, Ed. You're going to write a letter to those two individuals apologizing for the hurt and pain you did. It took me months to write that letter. Months. I just, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, no, no, wait, no. Do you know what they did to me? <laughs> to me telling Jesus, do you know what they did to me? Like, it's ironic and laughable now that I look back on it. But I was deeply wounded and hurt by what they had done, the betrayal that had happened, and I was angry, and I had built that anger and bitterness over years, and I was not willing to forgive them. And then the Holy Spirit got me to a point where he's like, okay, now it's time for that little letter that you're going to write, and you're going to apologize for the pain and hurt you brought into their life. So I finally wrote it. Now, I'd like to say to you, we're best of friends, the three of us. We just get together and have group hugs all the time. Except, one of the people, I kind of thought too, once I, it's led the way that they would, oh yeah, I'm sorry, and, you know, we resolved it. One of the individuals took the letter and went around to all the people that had been involved in the conflict and said, see, Ed's admitting he's the one to blame for all of this. Didn't see that coming. The other I eventually called, he listened to me and went, yep, never acknowledged the apology, never acknowledged the wrong, the, the forgiveness, never acknowledged any wrong he did, just yep, and then hung up. But here's the strange thing. I'm totally free. I can talk about that situation and have no ill will toward those people at all. I mean, these are people I hated. With a spiritual hatred, you understand. These are people I hated. <laughs> when I humbled myself and apologized, and then Jesus said, okay, next step for you, Ed, is then now cancel any debt they owe you. Don't expect anything from them back. You just cancel the debt. Whatever you think they owe you, you cancel it. It's clean. It's been paid at the cross. I'll settle this. 
Now, there is no resolution, reconciliation, full forgiveness on my part, at least, as far as, uh, like, I know in my heart. And, and Jesus said, oh, by the way, pray for your enemies. Remember I said that? Yeah, I remember you said that. Okay, start praying. These, these would count as enemies in your life. Why don't you start praying for them? Okay, I'll pray for them. And so, it, it, you know, it would come back, and I'd have to go, oh, I'm, I'm angry again. No, uh, that's canceled. That's dismissed. I got to just leave it at the cross. I got to leave it at the cross. I got to leave. And I did that over time and less and less it started coming back less and less I started thinking about it more and more as I called on Jesus and his strength to forgive and do what he said he gave me that strength and he healed and changed my heart and the, the, the relationship isn't reconciled it's not resolved but through humility and forgiveness I was changed And I gotta think, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, on my way here this morning, I kind of woke up to something. Paul says to the Corinthian church, make sure you forgive the one who harmed you because we know the devil and his schemes. Hmm. Around the lack of forgiveness, Satan creates strongholds in our life from which he controls us. Go figure. Today, I stepped into spiritual warfare to bring you this message because that's how Satan, unwittingly to us, that's how he gets a foothold in our life to begin to control our thinking and allow things like hatred and bitterness and malice to grow in us, even while we're trying to seek Jesus at the same time. And for some of you, I'm going to say every one of us knows what it's like to have to forgive. We all know. We all know this. Who came into your mind? Who came into your mind? What situation did the Holy Spirit pop up to you? This is what you do. Number one, write down. You can get your phone out right now. Like, by the way, if somebody sees you taking your phone out, it's okay, we know you're imperfect. We all struggle with this. You might just have the courage to take it. You write down the name of the person that the Holy Spirit brought to you right now. Just write that name down. Remember that name. Tell it to the person beside you. Do whatever you gotta do. This is the person. And then you specify, what is it they owe me? What did they take from me? What did they do to me? And what do I feel they owe me? The name what they owe you, and then you take that to the cross and say, Jesus, I'm canceling the debt that they owe me. And any time it comes back up in my head, help me to remember that I have canceled the debt and the case is dismissed. I'm just going to keep bringing it back to you until this doesn't come up in my heart anymore. And because this is a stronghold of the evil one, he will keep bringing it up. So we're not... We're not unaware of his schemes. He wants you to grow in hatred and bitterness and malice. He wants that in your life. But through the cross of Christ and through forgiveness, the canceling of debt, and leaving that with Jesus for him to settle and work out, he can do that. 
And I, I leave it with him. By doing that daily and, and even hourly sometimes, I gain the strength to be healed and freed from it. And so Peter goes, how many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus goes, how many times do you want to be free? Huh. How many times do you want to be free? Pray with me. Jesus, this is um, <laughs> an emotion that deeply, deeply breaks us. The pain and the hurt that we receive at the hands of others Sometimes, not even participating in it, just receiving from the wickedness or the sin or the envy, hurt and pain into our lives. God, I pray for freedom for those that are struggling with this right now. I, I, I don't think any of us here can say, I, I have no idea what it's like to struggle to forgive someone. I think all of us can say, yeah. But some of us are deep into it, and some right now are being controlled and influenced by the evil one through that stronghold of unforgiveness. Would you bring freedom and release through obedience to your word? Would you heal hearts that have been deeply wounded by the pain others have inflicted on them through forgiveness and the canceling of whatever they feel that's owed them? Grant courage to obey, courage to follow you, courage to name the person, courage to name the hurt, courage to walk with you. Would you release and free us, Lord, in Jesus' name.